Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Daily Grindhouse Presents No Budget Nightmare. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. And that's, that's Mo Pawn, yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. Mo oh, as we got a, a good one. Yeah, what was that? I said, we got a good one today. Oh, we do. Sorry, I was going to say, where's your enthusiasm, Mo? But it just popped up right after you introduced me, as is often the way. Yeah, I, you know, I hate introducing you, so I just get really down on that. But then once after that's done, I'm I'm happy and, and ready to go. It's interesting you say that because my understanding uh, from speaking to all of our listeners individually is that they love it when I get introduced. I don't. I've never heard that. I'm giving once. the show the shot to the dick that it needs. <laughs> uh, but yes, we're back. This is exciting. In fact, today's episode is a little bit. Is something a little different. We're, we're taking it, uh, taking it to the streets, as the famous song says, um, because we're actually going to be covering a film today that was made not in 1992 and not in 1997, and not ni- not 1983. But actually, it just came out. Yeah, 2012. 2012. So we're actually... This is a film that... Uh, I mean, th- we never do this. We never watch films that have just recently been released. I sometimes cover them for the No Budget Nightmares column over on Daily Grindhouse. But we never discuss them. And I don't know why necessarily. Uh, m- mostly because... When we cover a lot of these films, it's a bit of a crapshoot. We never know what we're going to get unless they're yeah. ones that have a bit more of a profile, like some of the ones that we've covered lately. So it would be tough to uh, kind of open ourselves up for people to sort of submit these films uh, and then talk about them and then have to end with, well, that stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I do that enough. Again, on, on, on the column, I do that. But, but I couldn't do that. We want it to be interesting to listen to, so we have to be a little careful in terms of their selection process. And I say that just remembering that we haven't selected a movie for next episode yet. <laughs> as we never do. As we often forget. We'll come up with something. I'll figure it out. Wait, shouldn't we say what the movie is? No. All right. <laughs> you know what I really liked was Tashi's Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, we do have uh, a very special uh, subject for today's episode, and that is 2012's Deatherman. Oh, I get it. It's like Weatherman, but with a D. Uh, when we were introducing last episode what this episode would be focusing on, Deatherman, uh, I think we said like very clearly, Deatherman, because I didn't realize that it was about a weatherman. See, I always focus more on the death than the weather aspect of it, so I, I've, oh, I've consistently pronounced it Death or Man. I thought that the idea of a horror movie, uh, especially a horror movie that was made in tribute to the shot-on-video films of the early 90s, which featured a murderous weatherman 
I thought it would have kind of a niche audience, so I sent it the the fact that I was watching this to the local weatherman here in in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada, and uh, he's very excited about the idea of a killer weatherman movie. So, I mean, when you consider all the meteorological experts in the United States and Canada and around the world, this film could do very well. Well, I thought this was a great one to cho- to watch this time around because there's been uh, one of the uh, the more notorious weathermen um, in the the local Greater New Haven area uh, has recently been ousted from his job mm. um, for sending like raunchy uh, IMs through Facebook with uh, with with another woman who is not his wife. Uh oh, and uh, yeah, so. <laughs> so I thought I thought the timing was just too perfect for all of that. We should also mention that Deatherman uh, was directed by Bob Keller, uh, who is well. We were aware of his work, specifically Deatherman, through Facebook, yeah. and he's a member of the No Budget Nightmares group there. Uh, so when we start to tear into this, I'm going to apologize in advance. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I think we I think you and I have a uh, of a bit of a uh, of a differing opinions uh, of this one, uh, and um, yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting conversation to say the least. Gonna be interesting, Mo. Uh, and I did mention before that this was made as sort of a tribute to those early '90s films, like the films of Todd Sheets, uh, yep. and it's shot on. VHS. Uh, and it is. It is. And it, uh, it, all the sort of graphics it uses are very old school kind of chroma key type stuff. Uh, and it looks, I mean, to be honest, when I first saw the trailer for this, I was actually amazed at how well they sort of captured that look of, uh, of early 90s shot on video movies. Be- yeah. It really looks just like that, despite the fact that it was just made in the uh, last year. Yeah. For yeah, better that's or prob- for that's, worse. That's probably their biggest success. <laughs> And I mean, VHS is in right now. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay, Mo? No, I don't like that. I don't like the You're fact that... You're drunk on VHS. I, I know, but I don't like the fact that it's like, it's become like a thing now. You know, it's like, I never gave up on VHS. I've been collecting VHS since I was a kid. You know, it's like, it's not like a new thing for me. And it just, it just upsets me that now it's like, uh, now it's like a thing. You know, I'm like, I have a very hipster sort of attitude. Apparently so. You know, it's like, I I was into VHS before you were, you know, but the fact is, it's true. I was into, I've been into VHS for decades now. And, and I, know, just, I hate I hate that I hate that it's like it's become like a thing again. And it really has from the VHS yeah. uh, anthology film and VHS two, which is about to come out. Uh, yeah. We know, of course, Josh Johnson has his Rewind This documentary premiering at South by Southwest right around now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, uh, and the films are using that as sort of a stylistic choice. They want to make their films look like old VHS tapes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, and I get that. I mean, and and that's actually what I appreciate about. Deatherman is that like instead of making it look like VHS he went out and he shot on VHS yes you know so I mean it's so I mean so it has that look because that's what he did you know I I mean as far as like you know like the the anthology film VHS that that can I mean it's it's two-fifths good um you know I have I haven't seen I haven't seen enough of uh of the uh the I, I guess they're calling it SVHS right yeah, then the follow-up. I haven't seen anything for it. I'll probably watch it when it comes out. The response is that it, it's it's universally better than the first one. Oh well, that's good. Although the um, um, what's what's the other one that's what's the other one that's coming out? The more underground. High one? Eight. 
Yeah, high eight. I, however, I'm very that one. That, yeah, I'm I'm pumped for that. Yeah, and the and the and I mean, there's a couple of uh, of VHS documentaries coming out. Uh, I mean, I'm most excited for for Rewind this, um, but there are some other good ones. Yeah, there are. Uh, you know, uh, like adjust your tracking. Um, and man, there's another one, and I feel really bad about not being able to remember the name. But if I think of it before the end of the show, I'll, I'll mention it. It's it it is interesting that this nostalgic view of VHS is really kind of coming together. I mean, I guess a lot of the people who uh, grew up in the age of mom and pop video stores now they are of the age where they can put these sort of projects together. I don't have yeah. a lot of positive nostalgic feelings, as you know, for VHS. Uh, I I mean, obviously, I was there. I was there, man. <laughs> I was in those video stores. Where were you, man? <laughs> and, and, I mean, I have a lot of strong memories in regards to, uh, to VHS tapes, but I always thought of it as a format that outlived its usefulness to such a massive extent and did a real disservice to the movies, for the most part, even the crappy exploitation movies, uh, that, uh, that, that sometimes I, I feel like people might overstate uh, the the kind of positive aspects of VHS tapes. Well, you're wrong. So yeah, I know, I know you feel that way. <laughs> I know a lot of people feel that way. I'm I'm but one voice, and I'm perfectly willing to admit that. Well, I'm not wrong, but it's a possibility that you feel differently. No, you're wrong. <laughs> so let's let's talk about Deathman. <laughs> okay, Deathman is one hour long. 55 minutes. Yeah, it's 55 minutes. closing credits. That's nothing new. In fact, that's actually, (laughs) that really does capture the spirit of a lot of those movies (laughs) that don't manage to quite make that 90 minute mark. Yeah, because when I, when I started watching, I didn't know what the what the runtime was. So I asked you, and you're like fifty five minutes, and the, like the first thing that popped in my head is like, wow, this I mean, really is just like the other movies that we watch. <laughs> and its opening credits, I mean, they really do get that feel down right from the beginning, where it oh, yeah. it it, uh, it has the production company logo for Press Eject Video, uh, and this actually for those who don't know. Uh, Death or Man is available to purchase on VHS, which is... Which I did. Which which Mo did, uh, and I did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I did get it legally, but I didn't purchase it. Um, and we have the title screen, and it has those kind of really blocky graphics that you really <laughs> remember from a lot of those films. The really large pixel. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Uh, and we get uh, sort of an opening credit sequence and some music. I mean, there's nothing particularly notable. It's not like that great sledgehammer opening credits. No, the I mean the music that I used for the opening with us that that's the music that was used for the opening of this. That's exactly so, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, what's great though is that right at the beginning they have like a little tracking problem at the bottom of the screen, uh, yeah. <laughs> which I mean I guess if you're watching on VHS you might not notice if that was real or just kind of created for it, but it's a nice touch. Yeah. They don't go overboard on effects or anything like that, which is nice. No. So this movie, Mosive. Uh, mm. Is about a weatherman. Indeed, and his name is Dalton. And Dalton is sort of the—he's uh, been a weatherman for about a decade now. Uh, in his uh, in a small, which he constantly has to tell <laughs> tell people, I've been doing this for ten years. We get a very interesting kind of uh, insight into his life right at the beginning. We see him wake up to the alarm on his cellular telephone, <laughs> and then he gets a shower and he puts on a suit, and we get to see his parrot. <laughs> That was the one thing I, th- I felt that they really did wrong on this. What? You know, like if they it, like like if they were going to if they were going if they were trying to homage that style, they should have 
they should have went with like a clock radio. Yeah, you know, they sh- they, yeah. They like, should have removed the, any modern type. Exactly, references. exactly. Because yeah. even when even there's a point later in the film where we see a guy go into a phone booth to sit down and make a phone call. You know, I mean, at least, at least on that, it's I mean, it's a touchstone phone, but whatever. I and mean, there's even have, a scene in an arcade that. coming up, right? Like yeah, an 80s style arcade. You're exactly, right. exactly. But then, but then you know the I mean, but the first thing you see is him turn off the alarm on his cell phone. Mm-hmm. It's just like uh, I have to know. say the other thing that it, it, it kind of irritated me about the scene, and it's going to seem so petty, is that, <laughs> is that he gets coffee. He like he he pours some coffee for himself, and he pours some milk. And then his milk jug still has – it's like I got a quarter of uh, full, and he just lays it on the counter and leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, you can't just leave milk on the counter, weatherman. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that, is, that is kind of petty. <laughs> <laughs> and that scene ends with this slow close-up of his parrot for some reason. <laughs> there's a lot of weird – choices for for how they end scenes like there's a scene that ends just on a dog barking um you know but i mean just like a totally shoved in shot of a dog barking yeah uh, i think there's there's one scene that ends on a cat's face yeah know? there's a scene where like a cat is, is we'll get to it but the yeah, cat yeah. is basically staring at the camera because there's a camera in its face yeah <laughs> but i mean you know, I, I I always I thought of each of those. I mean, I didn't necessarily think of it as as uh, removing anything from the film, um, but you know, it just added to the to the randomness that was pretty well documented in that style of film. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Dalton arrives. This is, this is uh, uh, Dalton Law is the weatherman. He arrives at work uh, and he goes into the bathroom and meets up with the lead a- anchor from the uh, news show where he's the weatherman. And this is yep. uh, Dan Anders, who's kind of a dick. Uh, he immediately launches into the fact that there's a new intern and uh, she is like vying for his job. Yeah, she's kind of gunning for his job. What's great about this scene is that Dan is taking a piss at a urinal, uh, but he has a coffee in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> and he keeps talking about how great the coffee is that the intern yeah, is making. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the that you do that for one day, and that's the next step to being on air. <laughs> <laughs> the um, and it seems to work. Yeah. Know? No. Absolutely. Um. But uh. But but I, my my favorite moment in this, well, I mean, well, first off, one one thing we missed from the last scene, my favorite my favorite moment from the last scene is when he gets up out of bed and you can see the powder on his pillow. <laughs> um, I thought that was I thought that was great. And then uh, and then in this particular in this scene, when he leaves the bathroom, when Dan leaves the bathroom, he has got the smuggest look on his face, and it is just brilliant. Dan is my favorite character in the movie, to be totally oh, honest. Ba- bar none. Yeah. Bar none, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have much to do, but he does it very, very well. <laughs> so, we from here, we get to see the news broadcast that they both work on. Uh. And uh, Mo and I were talking about this briefly before we started recording. One of the things that we bring up again and again when it comes to no-budget and ultra-low-budget films is that they often have a scene with a news broadcast because it's a great way to sort of get exposition across. But they're and all- they're universally bad. They're universally bad. That's right. They, yeah. Because it's hard to to kind of replicate the professionalism and the graphics and all that of a news broadcast. Yeah. I can say... <laughs> Unequivocally, that this is the worst that I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, and maybe intentionally so. Maybe, maybe, but I mean, it's. Um, I'm trying to think of what 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 the. Oh yeah, yeah. I used I used the phrase of it as a black and green digital mind fuck. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it really. It, it's painful to watch. It's it's got you know, this... and then and then they use a, a like a green screen technology uh, over technology. top of it. <laughs> 
technology. <laughs> they use green screen to uh, you know to to put the. Uh, I'm assuming to put the the character on top of it, or the, I mean, I don't know if they overlay video. I, I, I it's been so long since I've since I've done that kind of editing that I don't remember if, what's possible. Or the not. compositing is done really badly. Yeah, but, the I compositing mean, is 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 pretty rough. Um, but that's okay. I mean, you can get away with that. It's just that it's yeah. such a combination of things. It's got this weird filter over the front of it. I think it's supposed to make it look like you're watching it on a, like a television. Yeah. But it all it makes it all makes it look all wavy and psychedelic. It's a, yeah, it's a very yeah. And I the mean, sound. It's it's it, like it was a little unnerving because this is only like five minutes into the movie yeah. at this point, and we're and we're already having a news broadcast, and uh, and and I was really worried because I know the film is about a weatherman. And that if this was going to be something that was going to keep popping up through through the course of the film, I'm like, I was just, I, I remember that when this first one popped up, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this movie or not. Oh, wow. Because it really gave me a headache. Like, it hurt to look at. It'd be great to be talking right now and Mo made it five minutes into the movie before turning it off. <laughs> and I was done. <laughs> Let me continue with the exposition about what else happened. Uh, I'm going to unplug my microphone and go lay down for a little while. Um, no, but I mean. going to play I did... the audio clips mo uh well i'll just you know what i'll keep my headphones in <laughs> i'll just hit the buttons when the time comes but uh but no i mean but thankfully you know mercifully this scene ended and uh and and it, and it, thankfully it only really comes back to it maybe like once or yes, twice more right. and they're and they're all really short so it was like okay it's kind of important to note that the stories that they're reporting on they do have sort of uh an effect on the rest of the film. I mean, some of it mm. is just nonsense. It's supposed to be funny. They talk about how... Ro- yeah, I mean, we have to, uh, you know, m- m- this is a horror comedy. Yes, <laughs> ostensibly. And, <laughs> and yes. they, like, Romero's pizza had burned down. Eyewitnesses say that it was terrible pizza anyway. Or that it hasn't been good for years. It hasn't been good for years. Well, I would have yeah. quoted it exactly, Mo, but uh, I didn't think it was very amusing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so the the, the the stories there are better jokes in the yeah. movie. <laughs> so, we do notice we do know two important things from this. Once uh, one is that there's been a nuclear pow- a plant leak uh, in the city in which this is, takes place, and uh, two from the weather report we know that they are expecting acid rain. Um, and I, here's here's the one thing I didn't get. <laughs> one since, since since when would the weatherman report about radiation? Because it's mixing with the acid rain. Well, I, I know, but I'm just saying. Though, Keep your pets like, and loved ones inside. Like the weather report calls for radiation and acid rain. <laughs> Nuclear fallout and uh, acid rain. Well, I'll tell you, Mo. This whole stupid broadcast is worth it because we do get a, a fake commercial that plays immediately afterwards for some reason. <laughs> featuring which, is actually, which is actually my favorite moment in the entire movie. Oh, sorry. What did you say? I was saying, which is actually my favorite moment in the entire movie, this commercial that plays. Wow, we're five minutes in, we're going to hit your favorite moment. Yeah, it's a commercial for Melvin's Magic Shop. Yeah, and I have the whole thing here. Let's hear it. What's up, Action 13 News? It's me, Melvin. Come on down to Melvin's Magic Shop. It's Turkey Gravy Wednesday. I'm raising the roof. I'm raising the dead. I got freaking oven mix. <laughs> Oh man! If only the whole movie was that guy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, my favorite. I'm raising the roof. I'm raising the dead. 
my, my favorite moment is luckily a bit closer to the end of the movie, yeah. but that's right up there. Um, I don't know why we get to see a commercial because then it just ends like <laughs> the scene. Well, that's ends. that's true. You know what? Yeah, maybe that maybe that's not the number one spot, but that's that's very high on my list. But the the hi mom, hi dad, <laughs> fuck you, grandma. <laughs> Well, from that commercial, we actually uh, witnessed Dalton, the weatherman, meeting the new intern, uh, Holly Cooper. And uh, she seems nice. She, uh, she seems very interested in meteorology. And she kind of invites him out to a local pub so that he, she can pick his brain about the business and, uh, and you know, try to get, in, uh, kind of get into the inner circle because uh, she really is kind of gunning for his job. Yeah. One of my, one of my, favorite, one of my favorite things about, about this film is... Um is is trying is guessing all of the the references mm-hmm. you know because I mean, there's a lot of them I mean, we already talked about romero's pizza and like some of the character names even though they don't necessarily say them during the course of the film uh you know like in the closing credits you see that they're like one of the characters last name is carpenter and um and then and then the the bar that they go to is ducky's bar so i'm not i mean i'm assuming that's a pink. ducky boys reference oh <laughs> uh, but I don't know. <laughs> and one of the characters, that, which I don't think is ever named in the film, is is Buffy Winters, which is obviously a reference to Buffy Summers from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah, she's never named in the film. I don't, I don't. Okay, <laughs> I don't know yeah. why that is. <laughs> because that's how these things are done. So uh, Holly, we see her at home, and she's calling her mother, and they have. We see only one side of the conversation as she kind of explains about the internship and how she really wants to be a meteorologist, and we also learn. That she's been taking her medication. Ooh. So maybe there's some sort of implication. I wonder if that's foreshadowing. Oddly, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It sort of is. Yeah, you're right. It's not. Um, Dalton is... uh, This is a weird... This whole movie... Oh, and Dalton, which is obviously a Roadhouse reference. Of course it is. It's a good name. Um, So we see Dalton at home, and he's kind of gearing himself up for the date because he wants to be able to stay professional. He doesn't want to do it. I think he feels like he's going to hit on her or something, so he keeps saying like she's very young, uh, and he's got to he's going to get back before the acid rainstorm. <laughs> I'm just going to go out. I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to get home before the rain before the storm starts. That's right. <laughs> uh, th- there's some like like there's the plot of the movie, and then every once in a while, there's just sort of odd moments that are not necessarily connected to the rest of the film. Yeah. And maybe the oddest of that is the person that Dalton runs into on his way over. He decides he's going to walk over to this pub, yeah. uh, and he walks over, and he runs into... Um, Coyote. Coyote, yes. And Handsome Coyote is his name. <laughs> And Coyote played, played by Bobby Keller. <laughs> Bobby Keller, the 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 uh, director. That's right. And uh, yeah. and Coyote wants to sell him drugs, <laughs> uh, all kinds, and or other things, or other things. And we can just say what those other things are: women. Yep. All right, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna play the thing. Hey, weatherman, TV, TV, <laughs> come here, man. <laughs> Saw you on the TV today. Did you watch the news? No. So, uh, let me come a little bit closer. Mary Jane. <laughs> Mary Jane, cocaine, pills. I am not in I know you I'm got, really I know you got a bad back. Thank you, I'm not, I'm, I'm okay. I got some women. I don't need that either. I got some women. No. Come back, come back. I'm going to show you some women. Come here, I, come here. Thank you, I, I really appreciate it, but I'm really not interested. Thank you, thank, thank you. Got some girls. No, that's okay. That's girls. Okay. I, I really, I'm really not interested. Thank you. Go back and see the girls. 
Give me two seconds, I'll get you some girls. <laughs> Give me two seconds, I'll get you some girls. I, I love I what, have, sorry, I, I love have, what he yells at right at first. He goes, TV! <laughs> <laughs> hey, Weatherman, TV! <laughs> I, I have two friends who, both of them, when they act, quote-unquote, uh, basically do that character. <laughs> so Despite as I'm default. watching that, like... Like, uh, and, and, uh, I mean, at least he, at least this, at least Bobby had the, had the wherewithal to name name this one handsome coyote, you know, whereas the, the other ones, uh, they call themselves Rocco and Guido. It's not nearly as funny, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, just incredible how similar the characters are. I like what he's, but, he, he, has, he says, I got some girls and the girl that he's referring to is kind of squatted behind some, behind some trash bins. cans. Yeah. <laughs> Her name is Leech, um, because she sucks. That's right. <laughs> I like that that when he tries to leave and he tries to not, he, like he doesn't want any drugs and he doesn't want any women. When he tries to leave, <laughs> Coyote grabs his suit jacket and puts it on. And he goes, "I am the weatherman." <laughs> <laughs> it's a very weird relationship that Dalton and Coyote have. No kidding, because later on he wakes, he calls him, up, he calls him on the phone. <laughs> Gotta call the weatherman. That's right. The first thing he wakes up. Gotta call the weatherman. TV. <laughs> but anyway. Didn't see him on the TV today. Gotta call the weatherman. Well, maybe something's up. So yeah, this will turn into fucking Yogi Bear. There. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get the picnic basket. Yeah, maybe you want some girls. <laughs> so, so Dalton doesn't buy any drugs. He instead does go to the bar. He's already having a rather odd day. Um, and, uh, he, uh, actually, uh, before he gets to the bar, Holly's already there, and, uh, we realize that she actually already has a relationship with the bartender named Tessa. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, this is a very strange thing where she keeps asking for beer, and w- what does she give her, like, wine instead? Wine, yeah. Why? Why does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> Movies! <laughs> Movies! <laughs> and, uh, and Dalton arrives. And uh, they start to, to, to talk. And, and the uh, same thing happens to him, too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He asks yeah. for a lager, and they give him wine. Yeah, there's only one person in the scene who actually gets what he asks for. <laughs> <laughs> well, who is that person? That's Dan. Dan. What's Dan because all they about? Because they start talking, and Dan shows up, and like it's obvious that Dan shows up because you can you hear the door like clang <laughs> yeah. open. You know? All the sound effects in this movie, I think all of them are recorded on set. Yeah. And uh, and Dan walks up and he orders three shots of Jaeger, yeah, and and then slams all three of them and then leaves. Before he leaves, he goes, "Cheers to me!" <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he comes in, drinks, and immediately leaves again. Yeah. Um, there's another guy in the bar, however, and he is not as uh, excited and pleased. To see that the weatherman is in the bar for no particular reason. Yeah, he's just he's just pissed at, at the weather. Yeah, man. <laughs> what does he say? In fact, trying to decide whether or not you're a pussy or a man. You're gonna get tonight's forecast. You get your fucking ass How about that? If I was a weatherman, that's exactly how I would start a fight. Tonight's broadcast, you're going to get your fucking ass kicked. It, that is a really good example, by the way, of how poor some of the sound in this film is. It's really Yeah, it really is. But yeah. because it was all recorded with the camera and obviously with no booms or anything like that, uh, most of it is like real. like sometimes you just can't understand what's being said at all. The, 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 sound, the sound in the film is my, is my biggest complaint. 
Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the, the I mean, the visuals of the of the 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 news reports and the sound <laughs> throughout the entire film, essentially. Um, yeah, it's it, it was just a little. It was just kind of unfortunate that like he he couldn't have come up with uh, with a better system of of recording. I mean, anything would have would have done would would have been <laughs> yeah, better. No kidding. You know? But I, I guess we should mention that the, the the fact that that escalated so quickly. That's just kind of how it happens. This guy's pissed yeah. for no reason, and he eventually throws a bag of Cheetos at Dalton's head, and that's <laughs> yeah. When he goes. He calls it a snack front. <laughs> I like what he yells back. He goes, you don't know a thing about Doppler radar. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so they get into a fight, and they just kind of scream at each other. And uh, and Dalton uh, and Holly leave. In fact, they end up going to uh, Holly's place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why any of this really happens. <laughs> yeah, it, this whole scene is a little is a little weird, but... This next part, by the way, is particularly strange because of, up to this point, Dalton has been the character we've spent all of our time with. We we start the movie with him waking up in bed. Yeah. He's uh, supposed to be at least, I guess, somewhat sympathetic since we've been spending all that time with him. He hasn't yeah. seemed to be a particularly bad guy. Uh, but once he goes back to her place and she starts serving him wine... He turns into, like, the biggest asshole in the world. I love when they, they come into the room and, and she asks him, oh, do you want some wine? And he goes, please. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts downing it, like, immediately. <laughs> like, yeah, well, the funny it. thing is, like, it kind of cracks me up, like, how he how he manages to go from, like, from, like, sober to lech in, like, <laughs> two drinks. I mean, he drank he drank one glass of wine at uh, at the bar, which he didn't even finish. Yeah, and then he drinks one glass of wine here, and then all of a sudden he's like a complete asshole. Let's hear him. So why meteorology? I mean, what's a sweet little cupcake like you getting into that field for? Now keep in mind that's him sober. Yes, that's right. He calls her a sweet little cupcake. Yeah, he calls her a sweet little cupcake. He's sober. So, so we so we find out that Dalton's a little bit of a sexist. Yeah. Um. So it kind of makes it hard for us to give a shit about him anymore. <laughs> I like how he follows it up, and he, she pours him some wine. He goes, "Thanks, Peach. How about some more of that wine?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. He tells her to bring out the bottle. Bring out the entire um, bottle. That's right. You know, <laughs> and it's a huge bottle too. And uh, and so she does, and he uh. I believe he downs another glass and, uh, and, and then basically just says he doesn't want to talk about the weather anymore. Uh, he just wants to get down to business, you know? And, uh, and he says one of, one of my favorite lines of the entire film. All the women in Cypress County want to ride the lightning bolt. <laughs> he's, a, he's perfect. He's a weatherman. He named his penis the lightning bolt. Perfect. <laughs> he's a classy man, but this is a very jarring scene because oh, yeah. this is basically is the scene where the, they switch who the main character of the film is for some reason. Yeah. Because, again, Dalton is never... And, and it, they also do a very strange thing because uh, when, when Holly goes in to get the wine, she also grabs a knife at the same mm-hmm. time. A very a knife that is completely the wrong knife to use for anything that she might want to use it for. Yes, uh, but it is the one that retracts. It is so. one of those retractable <laughs> knives that we might have had when we were kids. <laughs> uh, and to be honest, though he's been sexist up to that point, there's really no particular reason that she would have needed to grab a knife, but she maybe she felt a bit threatened. That's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. So she goes in the other room, and he starts coming on really strong. Really strong. But she waits until he starts to, after she, like, uh, she, uh, 
turns him down flat, uh, his yeah. advances. He, he suddenly starts to regret it immediately, and he starts to apologize. Yeah, he starts apologizing. <laughs> Once he starts apologizing, she starts stabbing him. <laughs> again and again and again. <laughs> what do you mean you don't want to fuck me anymore? <laughs> it's stab. a really, it's this really tiny knife, too. So she has to, like, go to town and just stab it's him. A like... weird, it's a weird sort of, like, double tonal shift, you know? Yeah. Like, like, he goes from being, like the the well respected you know uh, I mean like and that's why I brought up the story of of the guy in, locally here because it's almost exactly like what happened to him you know sure, except nobody exactly murdered him the same. you know not exactly the same I mean, he didn't get murdered and acid brain didn't bring him back but I mean uh... <laughs> but he did get in a fight with the guy at the bar. But, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, like, I mean, like, everybody who didn't know him loved him. Everybody who did know him hated his guts, you know, like, I, I knew him and I hated him, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and it's just, it's just sort of the same story. It kind of, it really cracks me up how that's, like, how similar the two stories were until the part where he dies and is brought back. But, um, yeah, she, but you're right. She has to, she has to kind of go at him a lot because, you know, I mean, it's a tiny little knife. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not really doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and once she kills him and she has him on the ground, and she's just stabbing his dead body. It shows her like laugh, like crazily to herself. Yeah. Uh, she rubs blood on her face. And that's an indication that, that, that when that conversation with her mother, that it was representative, that she has sort of a fragile mental state. We don't really get a sense of what that's all about. However, that doesn't really play into anything else that's going to happen. <laughs> No, not really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we do get a little bit of backstory on the character, but yeah, you're right. I mean, for the rest of the film, it doesn't really play out. So, I guess with the realization uh, <laughs> that she's done something very wrong, she immediately calls Tessa, her friend at the bar, the bartender, mm-hmm. and she said that she does. I did something bad. I didn't mean to, even though she absolutely did mean to. Uh, and Tessa, this is, I, I, I get confused about where like the locations are. Tessa leaves really quickly. She just drops everything at the bar and leaves to see her. But she doesn't go right to where she is, um, to her house. She stops and gets her friend. Well, I'm assuming it's her house. She goes back to her house. Right, and I guess Buffy yeah. must be her roommate or something. That's what that's what I assumed. I assumed that Buffy was the third girl. <laughs> this is such a strange little 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 bit that happens right here where when she runs in on Buffy, Buffy is talking to a stuffed dog puppet. Yeah. <laughs> She's just talking to it. And uh, and Tessa runs in and says, Holly needs our help. And they all leave. But after they leave, it shows the dog sort of like coughing and sputtering by itself. Yeah. I don't know why that happens. I guess it's just it's, supposed to be kind of a surreal thing. Yeah, random funniness i guess yeah which i'm cool with yeah this movie probably could have used a little bit more of that to be totally I, I, actually when i saw that happen i was i the first thought in my head was oh man they're gonna bring in puppets i was i got really excited and then the, hey you know exci- how excited that makes me yeah exactly i mean well i mean <laughs> for, for me it makes me excited isn't happy for you it's sexual but it's still mm-hmm. well it's still excitement it's really all Yo, the same it style. comes from the same part of your brain that's right <laughs> <laughs> so they all arrive all the, your brain. <laughs> sisters are doing it for themselves. They're going to. <laughs> they're going to Holly's house. It's it's strange because when uh, Tessa goes in to check on, to get Holly, she says, you know, there's no time to explain. We don't really know what's going on. Uh, Holly just needs our help. She didn't know what was going on. But when yeah. Tessa comes into the apartment, she immediately says something about there being a body <laughs> before she. Yeah, even yeah, sees it. yeah. <laughs> uh, I like how they're like they're not that panicked. 
But Tessa goes, you know, we should all sit down and just talk about what's going on, which is probably I, a very reasonable response. It, it's a very reasonable response, except the first response should have been, hey, maybe you should go wash the blood off of your face <laughs> before we sit down and have a reasonable conversation. <laughs> I will say that... Probably my favorite line in the entire movie comes out of this scene. All the girls sit down and they talk about their respective backgrounds because they were all in a in a psychiatric ward together. Yep. And they call it the nut house. <laughs> the nut house, and uh, and we we learn a little bit that Tessa was suicidal, uh, and that uh, well, Buffy has Here. her own kind well, of Holly, quirks. Remember, we were all in there for different reasons. I was suicidal. Yeah, and I wanted to marry a box of cereal. I even sent out wedding invitations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she. That was- is a brilliant line. That was a brilliant. It's it's really sad that that line wasn't louder in the mix because it was hilarious. I wanted to marry a box of cereal. <laughs> I even sent out wedding invitations. That one Brilliant. line made me wish that Buffy was the main character of the film, or at least the main of these females that we yeah. encounter. Uh, they also, there's a very strange... The women decide that they're going to bury him to avoid any unnecessary complications. In uh, the old graveyard. In the old graveyard, that's right. Which one? There's like four. <laughs> but... <laughs> She says, I think she says to Tessa, Holly does, she goes, do you, <laughs> do you still have that body bag? Yeah. <laughs> and she does. She absolutely does. So the next scene we see is, uh, after she washes the blood off her face, is them carrying a body bag. <laughs> it looks really uncomfortable. All yeah. three of them carrying this body bag down the street. This, it's a tarp, essentially. Yes, that's exactly uh, it. Yeah, down, down the street. Um and of course, uh, who I'm assuming is Buffy starts to complain that she's, you know, she wants to take a break. But I love I, in this particular scene, I love that they're walking down the street of like a residential area, yeah. And they stop in front of somebody's house, yeah. And they're, I like how they're walking literally in the middle of the street, <laughs> yeah, just right down the middle of the street, like not a care in the world. I mean, it's it's like you expect three pairs of sunglasses to fall from the heavens and just deal with it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> They also, I'm glad one of the characters says this, because one of them says, hey, we forgot a shovel, which is an important <laughs> thing. And, and, the rea- and the response is, is equally brilliant. Well, we'll just stop at the cemetery gift shop and pick one up. <laughs> and that is exactly what they do. Because and the next, yeah, the next scene, they have a shovel. They have a shovel. I like to think that maybe when they were filming it, they forgot that there was a scene that they didn't yeah. have a shovel. Uh, so they had to explain it somehow. But that works. Holly, Holly has a great line, or is it, uh, no, I'm sorry, Tessa has a great line where uh, Tess, Tessa goes, uh, like towards the end of that scene where Tessa goes, well, what are you, you going to do, kill me? It's like, uh, what do you, what do you want to, you want my bartending gig and my, uh, my body bag connection? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, so, and that's the scene that ends with the dog barking just randomly. <laughs> that's right. There's just a dog. Yeah, Time a dog. passes. Sure. So it shows them in the middle of the woods, and they bury the body. And I have to say, look, I'm not a man of manual labor. I'm a man of leisure, as you know. But I can tell you that there are right ways and wrong ways to dig a uh, grave. <laughs> and the way that it shows them shoveling, they're getting like like <laughs> like an inch of dirt every three shovelfuls. Yeah. And what is great, it shows them kind of shoveling and they're still like the very top layer and then the last, then like a second later it's them patting the ground because it's how the body's already in there. <laughs> Talk about a shallow grave. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but they do it. They murdered and buried the weatherman. 
he's now a Deather Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, they out wonder what they're going to do now. That... I would say right now he's a Deader Man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Up at this point. So what? So they have a conversation. What are they going to do now? Now what do we do? Well, let's go home, go to bed, and fucking forget about it. All right. All right. Generally, I would agree that that might be a good plan. There's a couple of little holes into it. One is once he is missing for a few days and people start to say, well, when was the last time anyone saw him? It's going to be with her. (laughs) Dan saw him at the bar and he got into a fight and they all left together. It was just her and him that left. So, I mean, she would theoretically be the first person they would come to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think most of the shit that happens in the second half of this film wouldn't have even happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Now yeah, that I they, think about it, they they would they, yeah they would have already had gotten her. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> cops would have already found her. So they she all didn't. She didn't do a very good job. <laughs> <laughs> so they all go home and go to bed, and there is a big storm that night. There's some. They got some really good shots of lightning. Yeah, they did actually. Like that. Like that. I. I mean, I don't know if they. If they. If they got that in camera or if they found some footage of that or something. But either way, it. It, it was really well done. I liked. I liked that. Those shots. It, I mean, you know, I mean, maybe we, we don't get. We don't get lightning like that here. Cries. You know. Her placenta falls to the floor. <laughs> Where where I live, uh, we'll be we'll be lucky if we get like two or three like lightning storms like that a year. We get we. I'll be honest. Uh, back where I grew up in Newfoundland, we didn't get major. I mean, we got sometimes some maybe one or two lightning storms a summer, but around here in Ontario, we get a ton of them. It really is all the time. Wow, it's great. I love it. <laughs> I love lightning. <laughs> I, I just run out into it and climb the highest tree I can find. <laughs> I'm like uh, I'm like my dog when I when I was from when I was growing up. Like uh, you see the lightning and and uh, climb under and, the bed. And yeah, like climb under the bed. Like I mean, I'm not like, I'm not like, afraid of the lightning. I just I just don't like that. I don't like the idea of that much power like hitting one spot. You know. I thought you loved the lightning bolt. <laughs> I like to ride the lightning. That's bolt. right. Uh, so the, it shows them overnight. We see all the rain falling. That's the, we get the shot of the cat looking directly at the camera, <laughs> uh, and it goes right into another news broadcast. Yeah, it's the next day, and Dalton. Yeah, because we have because we have to. Yeah, we have to show Holly sort of achieving her goal. The yeah, next Dal- Dalton is out sick. She's been an intern for like one day. One day, <laughs> they don't have anyone else who could fill in because apparently we learned that Dalton has never taken a sick day in ten years. I know people like that. So we get another one of these awful-looking news broadcasts, but there's a great part where Holly's doing the weather, and she points to a temperature. Like, she points to where it's supposed to be, and it never appears. <laughs> no, it was behind her. Yeah, it was behind her. Like, it appears, but it doesn't yeah. appear where it's supposed to be. <laughs> she should have She should have done, like, uh, like, like, a, like a, you know, her thumb pointing over her shoulder. But no, I don't know. I'm just talking now. Here's the thing, in case you haven't worked this out yet. Not you, Mo, but other people. Acid rain plus nuclear radiation creates zombies. <laughs> Possibly. No, it's fact. It's, it's, it's it scientific fact. fact. It's in a movie now. It so is. it's fact. It has happened, and we saw it happen. Yeah. So the Deather Man, uh, Dalton, uh, climbs out of his grave with thoughts of revenge 
but only revenge in the uh, couple of different locations we've seen up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good thing that in that one day he had so many confrontations with people that were rather odd because it does give him a list of people that he can attack for some reason. Yeah. And he does exactly that. In fact, the next <laughs> thing we see is uh, <laughs> is Coyote <laughs> waking up on a mattress in like a corner of like a basement. <laughs> I like the first. Yeah. Time. Well, I like how I like how he's like he's down at himself at first because he's like, man, I can't even I can't even blow up my own air mattress. That's, that's right. He kind of wakes up on a deflated air mattress and he gets upset that he didn't. Course, and, yeah, I mean, correctly. and it just immediately it's like, a, you know, he does one of those things. <laughs> I can't even can't even blow up my own air mattress. I got to tell you, man. By the by the time by the time Coyote got killed at the end of the you know well when it happens, we're almost at the uh, end of the movie now. We're, so we're almost we're almost there. So I, I don't feel like I'm ruining anything for anybody because um, you know it's coming. Like what like when he when he finally gets killed, like I was so happy because I got to tell you, man. I was just like I was so ready. Like almost from the moment he came on he came on the screen, I was just, I was like waiting. Like he's gonna get killed at some point. Just wait. <laughs> You know, no, no offense, Bobby, but uh, man, I wanted to kill that character myself. As we mentioned earlier, he gets right on the phone and he calls the weatherman. He goes immediately. That's his first thought. <laughs> and he just and like he doesn't know. Apparently, doesn't know his name. He goes, "Hey, weatherman, Mister TV, <laughs> it's your old buddy Coyote." <laughs> but I love, I love how he's like, "I didn't see you on the TV this morning. You just woke up." <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And in fact, once once he gets off the phone. He goes, I guess I'll watch some TV today. And it shows him watching TV. It's like a Santa, it's like a plastic Santa being thrown down a stairs. That's what he's watching. It's just yeah. a plastic Santa Claus being thrown down a flight of stairs. I, I thought that was a great, like, little non sequitur. It's a commentary on, yeah. on the state of television. <laughs> on, the, on the war on Christmas. <laughs> um, and we see, uh, then it cuts to the other person or one of the other people that uh, the weatherman had a bad experience with that guy from the bar who uh, who was screaming at him the day before and we see this guy like you said go down to a payphone so uh, and yeah so he's at the bar again i guess he slept there i think the indication is that he did sleep at the bar for some reason <laughs> <laughs> and the deather man shows up he does and the the guy gets choked to death good yeah so he, how, he, how dare he throw uh, snack foods at a weatherman? I was very concerned at this point that we were going to have a series of science crazed like stocking scenes because, like, I understand it could have, e- it could have easily devolved to that. Yeah, it easily because when you start with choking, right? That that's that is concerning because I don't necessarily have to expect you know lots of excellent practical effects but I just want some sort of sense of um originality and uh some you know uniqueness to what's going on but no he just kind of chokes the guy to death yeah it's not very interesting nah. but luckily things pick up quickly not immediately but quickly <laughs> luckily all these characters sort of uh, all kind of met together at this bar how lucky that they had access to it <laughs> and we see Leech, the uh, the woman who was offered to Dalton the day before, and she gets goes into a bathroom and cuts up some cocaine. This is probably the most baffling mm-hmm. death scene for me, because I mean he okay, so he's in the stall. I get it, fine. He's in but the women's that, bathroom, by the way. He's in the women's bathroom, like sitting in one of the stalls. <laughs> She's doing coke on the uh, on the uh, the the vanity there, and um, and then he starts attacking her with a snow shovel. Yeah. 
And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this part is really badly edited, too. Because, yeah. like, there's no... Con- obviously, there's no contact being made, but it's not yeah. even... They're not even trying to... There's no physical... Like, they're not even close, yeah. right? And they start cutting back and forth between uh, Coyote, who's at, in the bar as well, and back to the bathroom. And they're j- they just show him sort of swing, but there's no sense of contact or impact at all about what's going on. So it yeah. looks, looks really kind of lame. Uh, yeah. And also, why is he killing... Leech, what did she ever do? I know. She's she's she she never did anything but be uh you know, a a trash hanging out tough chick. Yeah, and I mean she did cocaine, but you know, she did it. She didn't yeah. sell it. She's okay. Exactly. And then and then for some reason so so of course, I mean maybe he just has a moral opposition to cocaine. I, I don't know. But so he so he whacks the, the, the cocaine on the on the thing and smears blood on the whole vanity and then writes because there's not enough room to write the whole thing out, so he writes "death" or "man." <laughs> Doesn't he um, spell it wrong here? I'm pretty sure he sp- he spells it like D E T H instead of D E A T H, which I is don't know. very odd. I mean, it's why did he do that? <laughs> well, maybe he's a big fan of Dave Mustaine. Oh, good, excellent. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we'll just let that linger for a moment and continue. <laughs> They'll figure they'll figure it out in a second. So he comes out of the bathroom, and he immediately grabs a pool cue, and a Coyote, who is just kind of standing around in the bar, he smashes it over Coyote's back. Very cathartic. Yeah, he gives it a good whack too. Yeah, snaps it right in two. Hmm. As well, I mean, as well he should. <laughs> I can't remember. Does, does he does does he then kill him? Does it show him actually? Not not there. No. Oh, okay, I'm sure it'll come to me. <laughs> yeah, he get, he gets yeah. Coyote gets away. So while all this shit is going on, uh, Tessa and Buffy, they actually get together because they do live together, I guess. They're sitting in down. My, in my notes, in my notes, I, I refer to her as crazy chick the entire time. Because, <laughs> like, you know, because as we've previously mentioned, she's never actually named in the film. Or if, she's di- if she did, it was very subtle. I, I always and, have to go back in my notes and add the names in. <laughs> yeah. After. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't bother at this point because, I, I mean, I just add them in, like, you know, as as I figure them out. <laughs> so, but for the entire, but for my entire notes, she's listed as crazy chick. <laughs> well, th- these girls saw Holly on the news that morning, and they're a little, getting a little bit concerned that Holly might rat them out. That they're just trying to kind of work out what they should do. And yeah. while they're working it out, the Dether Man arrives. Now, yeah, I- te- yeah. Tessa runs off because she's going to be sick, so yeah. she runs to the bathroom, and uh, and we see. Uh, we see the Deather Man uh, come in, and he grabs an umbrella. Okay. How does he know where table. they live, by the way? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, he, does, he doesn't know. And another good question is, he comes in, like, immediately after Tessa leaves the room, he comes in, grabs the umbrella, and attacks Buffy. And Buffy screams. She lets screams. out this, this blood-curdling scream. Yeah. How did Tessa not hear it? She literally just left the room. I don't know. <laughs> We all, sorry. She she yells. She screams. And she goes, "How is it possible?" And he goes, "Acid rain brought me back." You know, when I was a kid, like in elementary school, it seemed like the news had a story about acid rain every goddamn day. Like it was like it was a thing where you're going to go out and your face was going to melt off because of the yeah. rain hitting it. <laughs> so I have to say, the idea of acid rain being sort of the central plot point of this, I found really amusing. But yeah. it's so strange that he would just say, <laughs> acid rain brought me brought back. Brought me back. <laughs> and then he stabs her with the umbrella. 
And yeah, he stab. I love this. This is one of my favorite deaths in the. This is my movie. favorite death scene. In yeah, the movie. he stab. He stabs her through the back, up and through the back, and then opens the umbrella. <laughs> yeah, in, inside side. of her. And I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. I can't say. I don't want to say inside of her. It's not. No, it's on the other side of her. Yeah, on the other side of her. What's great about it is that it's a great. Doesn't visual. he know that's bad luck? <laughs> it's a great visual, and there's ingenuity behind it. So I was, yeah. I was very pleased to see that. Yeah, yeah. Because it didn't take like a super great effect. All it did was you have to open an umbrella on the other side. But man, it works. And uh, then he proceeds to go upstairs. To uh, the apparently deaf Tessa, uh, who was in the bathroom very badly pretending to vomit into it. We yeah, can no, see her mouth. Like, yeah, just put like a, you know, a mouthful of fucking chicken soup in your or yeah. whatever. Or uh, just put water. At least you'd know something came out of your mouth. Yeah. But in this case, she just kind of looks in the toilet and then flushes it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the weatherman comes up and uh, chokes her to death. This was this was a big this was a big annoyance with me this this particular death because they had the mirror there they had her going down into the sink they could have done the easiest like fucking mirror reveal yep you know and it would have added that extra bit of tension i mean you already knew he was in the house right and he was but, coming up to get her and that he was coming up the stairs to get her so you already i mean so like the like the that amount of suspense has already been ruined but you know i mean if they had if they had just panned down and panned back up again and had him there it, I mean, it would have been it would have been such a better reveal than having than coming back up and then panning over to him standing in the door. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and they yeah. they do that that sort of reveal a couple of times. A couple of times, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's okay in the kitchen later when when they do it because she comes in, he's not there, and then she turns around and he's there. That's fine, you know. Um, but uh, I don't know. There's there's a there was a couple of reveals in this that just really. I mean, I I felt they really dropped the ball on him, they, and this was the biggest one for me. I mean, the fact is that even though this this is now you know in has the structure of a horror movie there's nothing really scary about it i mean we don't really yeah. care about any of the characters we, we, we i don't even care about the, the character i cared most about was turned into a uh, zombie <laughs> <laughs> and at this point we're supposed to be scared of him even though he he's still the most interesting character yeah even though he was the, he was the sympathetic lead that's right for most of the beginning of the film um we once again see holly calling her mother and uh, mm-hmm. this time she uh, says that because her mother saw her on the uh, on the weather report, she's very excited. And we discover that Dan, our favorite character, he actually came up with a bu- bunch of roses to her afterwards and asked her out to dinner that night. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's going to pay off in just a moment. But before then, we go back to Coyote. You're right. Now I remember, Mo. Coyote yeah. is still in the game, literally, <laughs> because... Yeah, he's standing at a he's standing at a row of video games playing a game. I didn't see what game it is. I think it's like I think it was like an, uh, an, a Space Invaders. It's like a Space Invaders knockoff type thing. thing. Yeah, this annoys um, me. There's something annoying coming up, Mo, and I can't help but talk about it. Okay, that's gonna sound again. I'm petty. Ask well, anybody. I, well, well, I mean, you don't have to ask anybody. Everybody already knows that. They 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 call me Tom Petty in my neighborhood. Do they really? Yeah. Well, no, but they would if they knew how much of a Tom Petty fan I was. Oh, because I thought I, it was, I thought it was because you sounded like a poor man's Bob Dylan. Yeah, I do. No, <laughs> uh, no, it's because wow. I'm a rebel without a clue. That's what it is. <laughs> so fucking Coyote is in here Jesus playing Christ. Space Invaders. Yeah, and uh, he suddenly looks down. 
And the Death Man is inside the game. He's inside the game, which which means that like magically the entire tube system that's I mean because if anybody knows what the inside of video games look like, I mean yep. there's like like it's a TV you yeah. know, in there, so it's yeah. a, you know it's a tube television. So you have to pull that whole tube out in order to like look through, and then and you can even see like the the wood. You know, like where, like where they pulled the yes. the whole screen out. So, so and, theoretically, I guess the only way that it wouldn't be magic is Coyote looks up for a second. Deatherman goes to the opposite side of the 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 machine, pulls out the back, pulls out the entire tube, and sticks his head in there and make it quiet enough that he that Coyote doesn't notice. Yeah, and then he says, "Game over." <laughs> and then he grabs Coyote's arm and yanks it. That's he, yan- he yanks it off. Yeah, he yanks it off. Okay, that's not the problem. That what you just said, I I you know, I had my issues with that. My biggest issue is that once we first start seeing Coyote, we see him kind of playing the game and he's like playing it really hard and pressing the buttons and using yeah. the joystick. And he's at a row of machines. And he's at a row of machines and we see that yeah. the machine he's on, it, we can even see the title for a second even though we can't actually read it cuz it's all kind yeah. of fuzzy. Once we show him start to get pulled into it. The machine that he's getting pulled into doesn't have a title, doesn't have any of the buttons on it. The joystick is missing entirely. It's all been taken off. Yeah. And instead of being next to a row of other machines, it's in like a basement somewhere. He's in a basement, yeah. Like you, like they've been magically trans transported into into like a basement. Yeah. We now we understand what's going on here. It's a lot yeah, easier I mean, to show this in yeah. in a different location. But at least, you know, all you had to do was stick a fucking joystick on it and put the same sign up or make even something I mean, you can hide that. There's a lot of ways to hide it. Yeah, and, and and really for for a lot of those scenes they should have cut it close. Yeah, they really should have. Yeah. Like I mean, I know comedy's in a wide shot, but that scene shouldn't have been. Not to discount the arm getting pulled off, which it's great. It's great that yeah, an arm cool. got pulled yeah. off. I mean, it's just a Halloween arm, but what are you going to do? Whatever. Everybody <laughs> At least that. it's an arm getting pulled off, yeah. and it's not another choking. Exactly. And so then, uh, and then Coyote eventually just gets pulled into the machine altogether. Yes. And then they cut away. Sega. Uh, and so they. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the Sega! game. <laughs> So then we go to the restaurant. The restaurant is where uh, the rest of the action of the entire film is going to take place because there's only another ten minutes to go. Yeah, we're we're at the end of the film now. Yeah, we definitely are. So Holly goes to the restaurant, and what's great is that when she comes in, she's coming in to meet Dan. When mm. it shows Dan sitting, he's sitting entirely motionless, just staring forward. <laughs> I mean, it's great because it, I don't think it's like a, it's like a decision that he made in order to be more comical. I think it's just one of those things where oh, she's going to be coming around the corner and going to see you, and he's an actor, so he's just going to sit there and not like <laughs> he's just staring into nothing at all. Yeah, it's pretty terrific. That's why I he's like my favorite it. character. Yeah, I loved. Uh, I, I, of course, the restaurant is called Cravens. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a couple of there's a couple of little uh, little funny funny moments. Uh, with this one, like when when uh, Dan tells Holly that the uh, the you know the meatball hoagie is, is phenomenal, <laughs> I thought was that was funny. In and, fact, he when he they ask him what he's going to order, he's so hungry he orders both a jumbo meatball and a jumbo fish hoagie. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 I and I love the the the, the revelation or the the realization or when it comes out that Dalton comes in every karaoke night and does Love Shack. <laughs> See, me and Dalton have that in common. I, uh, whenever I do karaoke, that's always my uh, go-to choice as well. 
I was hoping I was going to get to hear your Fred Schneider impression. <laughs> no. You're as big as a whale, and you're we about to set sail. <laughs> Funky little shack. Um, Funky little shack. Another interesting thing, if we can call it that, is that the waitress who takes their order, the first thing that she uh, says uh, is, what, whatever happened to that Dalton Law? I miss him. And he's been gone one day. Not even a full day. One day. <laughs> it's, it, was, it was the evening of that day, right? Yeah. Uh, but she, by the way, Holly, she only orders a Caesar salad. And this is incredibly important. Very important. Because <laughs> it, it plays right into my favorite thing about the entire movie, that... It would also be considered the most bizarre thing in the entire film. Mumbo Chef? Mumbo Chef. Mumbo Chef. So the chef of this restaurant is named Mumbo Chef. And what does he sound like? Well, he sounds like a mentally challenged version of the Swedish chef. But allow me to (laughs) not describe him and just play it. I'm a chef. Chef, chef, chef. He's great. He's great. I'm a chef. I'm a chef. He's mangling an onion. Just like it's not even close. It. He's yeah. just smashing it to bits and going, I'm a chef. Chop, chop, chop. Chop, chop, chop. When she comes in and tells him what the orders are, he starts getting obsessed with saying, Caesar salad. Caesar salad. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but at Where's least it's. Caesar? Where's the Caesar? <laughs> So he goes, this is another one of those reveals, by the way. He goes to the, the uh, refrigerator to get a uh, some Caesar salad dressing. This was the other reveal that annoyed the hell out That's of him. That's right. Yeah. Because, we- because, okay, so he opens the fridge door, and I mean, I don't know if maybe they just thought it would be too obvious to have him up close there. Right. But they don't. They have him way back. You know, I mean, like a full body shot when the door closes. And really what they should have had is they should have had him right there. Right there, because then that yeah. would actually be kind of creepy. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't know that he's there yet. You, the last time you saw him, he was killing, you know, killing a chick uh, in a bathroom in, in her house. How do they know that? That I mean, how does Deatherman know that they're at that restaurant? <laughs> You're right. This plot is full of holes. Yeah. But... but, but <laughs> But it, but that doesn't matter. I mean, it's supernatural. That's fine. You know, I, I have no problem with with inexplicable reasoning behind you know mo- you know monster creatures winding up where they go. That's all part of the genre. That's fine. My biggest problem was that was 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 that the scare was botched. Yeah. I mean, they they actually could have gotten a jump there. And it would have been simple. I mean, it really would have been very easy. Yeah. So uh, the uh, Deatherman tries to kill <laughs> the chef. <laughs> Well, at first he says no, he doesn't. At first, that's right. He just needs his hat. He's like, "I need to borrow your hat." And he's like, "Okay, sure." And then he walks away, and then the chef sees your salad. <laughs> the chef kind of uh, talks back a little, so that I guess it changes the deader man's mind, and now he comes back in to kill him. And how does he? How does he sound when that happens? <laughs> oh, I don't even want to hit the button. Uh-huh. All right, all right. <laughs> Help me! Caesar salad! Caesar salad! Yes, very good. That's my favorite death in the entire movie. Oh, help me! Caesar salad! 
<laughs> so during all of this, which again hasn't made enough noise to alert anybody, uh, Holly gets up to go to the bathroom and is told that the regular bathroom is closed. The other one is at the very other end of the restaurant. She goes to uh, to visit the loo, but someone calls out to her as she passes by the kitchen. Yeah. And calls out in the voice of Momo Chef. <laughs> and then it sort of gets more menacing. That's as right. As they say more things. They finally, go, they finally say, oh, well, you know, well, the storm was perfect for a burial. Right. And, 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 so, and so, of course, that gets her to go into the kitchen. Yes. And when and she goes almost, into it, the kitchen, who it's does almost she... Like they, it's almost like they were trying... Like, like, here's the part that I... Here's... Like, the reveal they do in the kitchen this time, I, I didn't have a problem with, because you already knew that he was in the kitchen. Right. That was fine. You know, but um, but they set it up almost like to do the same reveal as uh, as they had done with Mumbo Chef, right? And I just I can't. She's your salad. Yeah. Help me, she's your salad. <laughs> um, you know, and then they do the pan over and they show him standing at the door. That's fine because that's showing that now she has no way of escaping. He's standing in front of the door. I have no problem with that. Of course, most kitchens have vectors, but whatever. <laughs> um. <laughs> you know, so it sets it up nice for this sort of like, quote unquote, final confrontation. So they do run into each other and she doesn't actually seem that scared at first. She seems surprised, yeah. but not necessarily frightened. They have a conversation, which is actually my favorite little bit of conversation in the entire film, because he tries to explain sort of like why he has come back to life. Let's just play it because we got to hear yeah. this. Yeah. Holy shit. We fucking killed you. And buried me. <laughs> Don't you know anything about acid rain? Acid rain doesn't bring people back. Well, I'm here now. <laughs> well, I'm here now. <laughs> That's the explanation. Don't you know anything about acid rain? <laughs> She's like, acid rain doesn't bring people back. Well, well I'm, I'm here, here now. now. <laughs> Maybe she is better at being a meteorologist. Yeah, that's another thing. I mean... I at the beginning of the film, before uh, she ends up killing him, he's like laughing at the idea of her becoming a weather person, even yeah. like like it's a ridiculous for a woman to be. Yeah, a he, woman. I mean, yeah, I mean, like when he when he tells her to bring the bottle of wine out, like he he like he uses the term uh, weather woman in yeah. his very pejorative sort of sense. Yeah, he yeah. just laughs at how stupid it sounds to <laughs> weather woman. <laughs> Fuck that bitch, you know. So she actually apologizes for killing him, which is gracious of her. Yeah. And he comes at her with a, a kitchen knife. <laughs> well, I mean, yes. I mean, uh, he's in, I mean, there he's he, he he didn't pull a Todd Sheets in the execution, and he actually is far enough away. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're at the end of the movie now, folks. <laughs> I mean, literally, there's like a minute and a half left of the actual. <laughs> he comes out uh, to where Dan is sitting at his table. And, and he's got a tray with a lid on it. A tray with, and the lid in this case is just an upside down plastic bowl, and yeah. it doesn't fit. <laughs> and he's got the chef hat on, and that doesn't fit either. And he comes out, and uh, we can clearly see that he has a head on the plate. So it's revealed that there's a head on the plate. Yeah. I get a little confused about what happens after this. Now, I understand what happened. Really? Uh, Dan's eye gets pulled out. Yeah, he pulls Dan's eye out. But, like, what? Like, how does he do it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, really, it's, it's really weird. <laughs> like, Dan is frightened, as he would be. Oh, by the way, the head? Mm, no. <laughs> it, it, look, I, I, I'll, give him, I'll give him credit for, for, for trying it. But, yeah, it's really... It, it's very obviously just one of those... 
practice dummy heads that like beauty school right. women use to like practice doing hair and stuff. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I like the fact that I like the fact that he attempted it. It really never should have been shown from the front, though. No, yeah, no, indeed, it shouldn't have. Um, so he pulls out Dan's eye, and he holds both the 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 head and the eye, and he uh, says the famous closing line of Deatherman. This is Dalton Law with Eye Witness News. Because he has an eye in his hand. Yeah, yeah, we we get the joke. And then he points the eye at the camera, which, I, which right. I thought which I thought was fun. And then he just laughs there maniacally for like what seems like way too long. And then he just screams, "Deatherman!" at the camera. The end. I gotta tell you, man, like 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 him screaming Deatherman at the end of the movie was actually like the one moment in the entire film where I actually jumped. I'm like, cause I totally wasn't <laughs> expecting it. <laughs> and I look back, I'm like. All right, <laughs> you got me to jump. <laughs> Mission accomplished. So that, for all intents and purposes, is the end of the film. Now we do get the closing credits with the mm-hmm. uh, Deatherman theme played by Esophagus, uh, <laughs> and it's quite crunk- chunky uh, metal that plays during the closing credits. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. But after the closing credits, <laughs> there's some. Uh, there's a couple of little extra secret special bits. One of these kind of annoyed me. I know it was just them being funny and having and making a laugh, but one of one of them was was you know his two coming soon's. One was Deatherman in space, which is just Deatherman in front, which is just Deatherman in front of a green screen. You saying know, he like, goes, "I'm in space, I'm in space, Deatherman in space." The forecast for tonight, I'm in space, um, which I I thought was funny. It was definitely a good laugh. Uh, it seemed like they were having fun doing that, and uh, and then son of Deatherman. The problem with my my problem with their in space one is that everybody knows that in space is the fourth film in a series. That's true. It's always the fourth, and it's always the worst. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Mo. It would have unless unless you're talking about Friday the Thirteenth, and then that one's I believe the tenth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jason X in space. I don't know if it's called in space, but it's in space. Yeah, it's Um, in space. But of course, Leprechaun we remember went to space. That's the most. That's the most notorious in space, and absolutely the worst in space film I think I've ever seen. Wow, you have a strong opinion about Leprechaun in space. I lo- I I mean, I'm a big fan of the Leprechaun series. I love all of them except in space. That's the yeah. only one I don't like. You know that Leprechaun Four in space was directed by the illustrious Brian Trenchard Smith. I yeah, I know, and I don't like that fact. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, that was the end of Death and Man. Uh, it's uh, like we said before; it's fifty-five minutes long. It is very—it's uh, a very unattractive film, but but it's intentionally so, I guess, in some ways because of the video quality. Um, the the cast, the acting is fine. I mean, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, I was pleased with the the quality of it. You don't always get people who commit themselves uh, this much, uh, though. The best characters are sort of the secondary characters because they get to be a little bit more fun and manic. Yeah. Um, but Dan, of course, is the best character. Uh, yeah, and- d- yeah, Dan. Yeah, I like how I like. I mean, because whoever I don't, I, I didn't write down who the actor's name was, who who was him, but unprofessional. Uh, whatever. That's Mike Gavern. All right. Well, I like I liked the fact that he. Um, could pull off that level of smug, you know. It was it. it, it, it he did a really great job with it. <laughs> uh, the sound is terrible. I mean, it really is. Unfortunately, um, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, but then again, the sound bad sound quality is sort of a uh, 
that is what you get in those early '90s films. It's trying yeah, to but I got to tell you, man this this was this was borderline, if not sub Vampire Hunter, yeah, sound quality. And and that one, I mean, that one, the one thing I remember about that film, well, not the one thing, but the biggest thing I remember about that film is the sound quality. Right. It does capture exactly what it is looking to do, which is that it does bring to mind the films of the time yeah. uh, of the early 90s. The only problem with that is that it also brings to mind a lot of the negative qualities without bringing to mind a lot of the inventiveness and the heart and also... Sure. To me, the sense of accomplishment, which came with a lot of those films, because it is was such a production, and I don't mean size of actually filming a production, but I mean it's such a, a trial in order to get all of that footage and then edit it on those old editing bays, the VHS ones, uh, and, and then add like titles and things like to it and try to overdub audio. That was such an ordeal that when you get a finished product, uh, like a Todd Sheets film or a Todd Jason uh, Falcon Cook movie, and, and you watch it, you're like, well... Even if this isn't good, it's amazing how much they had to put into making this happen. But sure. with with this film, like they're intentionally not making it good, and they're, 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 instead of trying to do the best they can, they're actually trying not to do that. Well, I don't know how I don't know how true that is. I mean, obviously that's the sort of thing that Bobby would have to uh, clarify for us. But I, I don't know if that's necessarily the truth. I mean, I think. I think you know maybe they were trying to do the best that they could. I mean, oh, I don't, I don't mean that necessarily. I'm, I'm talking about when it comes to image quality and, and things like that. Oh, uh, you, okay, I get what you mean. Then. They're, yeah. they're trying to make it look worse than they have to. Sure, sure. Because yeah, it's because, actually because more... there's the technology these days to to make a better film. Right, because yeah. it's it's actually easier. It would be way easier for them just to grab uh, like a handy cam, which would still look a lot better than this. Uh, uh, yeah, and... I mean, you could do it on a you could do it on a flip camera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And editing it is a lot easier from that. So I mean, well, yeah, they, they actually I don't know what the process was in terms of how they ended up putting this together uh, or if they, they were like using a lot of this old equipment or whatever but I would imagine I would imagine that this I mean this certainly looked like it was edited on an old an old editing bay yeah and it, and it doesn't look like there's like filters on it or anything this, this is looks like it was shot on a, on a VHS camera just a straight up VHS yeah yeah so I mean what I mean is that when when they are when since they're trying to kind of show respect to this what they really did is they emulated it so perfectly that they created one that could easily have come out at that time period. Mm. But the problem is it didn't come out of that time period, so it doesn't get that level of respect and interest. I get what you're saying. Uh, I mean, I, I think that it accomplished exactly what it wanted to do, but I also don't know if I'd recommend it to anybody. I would. I, I think I would. I, I, I enjoyed it. I think, I mean, like, let's put it this way. If this was a 90-minute film, I'd yeah. be... I'd be uh, screaming from the mountaintops to, to to avoid it, but it's fifty five minutes, man. I mean, like, I mean, for, for for me, I mean, it took me three and a half hours to watch this movie <laughs> because, well, I mean, and that's short. Yeah, that's I know. A short, I know. Yeah, for me, that's a short amount of time. It normally takes me like four and a half to five hours, but because it was only fifty five minutes, like it really felt like. I like I like I just got to bang right through it. I didn't take any breaks. I didn't stop. I just went through the film. I had no I had no no problem doing that whatsoever. It's just um, it's, it, that's an odd selling point though, right? To say that it is. I mean, it's great. It is the length that but it it's needs short. to be, right? But then <laughs> but we're we, asking but people. But we've recommended like, other films for the exact same reasons. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. But but when we're talking about what you're going to get out of it, right? I mean, if you're buying a VHS tape with this, there's yeah. a novelty aspect to it, which is great. Yeah. But what you are getting is a 55 minute movie on yeah. your VHS tape and nothing else that right? some people can't even play anymore <laughs> right some people can't play anymore yeah. i mean it's 
it's a, it is a great tribute. Well, for its for its credit, it is now available on on demand. You can you can stream it online. Right. So. In fact, they just had I think a premiere a streaming service yeah, uh, showed the yeah. film a couple days ago. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what I should say is not that I don't recommend people see it. I think it's always great when people see these indie movies, and I think this you might say be Indian movies. I I didn't, but oh. uh, I wish uh, that I hope Bob Keller makes a uh, <laughs> makes a remake of, of Billy Jack next. That would be terrific. Uh, well, so I was thinking more like Bollywood. I, I want to <laughs> see I want to see a shot on VHS. You know. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember the name of the movie now. Never mind. But you, but like you know, one of those giant freaking Bollywood films. I know exactly what you're saying. Well, yeah. I guess what I should say is that not necessarily that I don't recommend it. I think that people should see it. But in terms of of the the value you're going to get out of it, it's going to really rely on how much you appreciate the sort of films that it's emulating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact is. If the film was 20 minutes long, it would be too short, and you would, that wouldn't be enough value. It is just the length it needs to be, Yeah. but it would be you might not get a lot of satisfaction out of watching it, outside of kind of the goofier moments. I, just I hear you. I just didn't feel like it was always, there was always the level of effort that even someone with no resources could have done. And I mean, you pointed out a couple of examples, but I just think that, you know, sometimes you got to, and I don't mind plot holes and stuff like that. That's just par for the course. That actually yeah. kind of makes these sort of films. But it's just sometimes it just, it didn't seem like it was doing anything. It didn't do anything interesting. I get you. I, I just think, I, I think as far as this one is concerned, I think you, you and I just have a, a fundamental difference on it, and that's fine. Yeah, because I mean, I, I think we I, both I, enjoyed I think, the I same think ultimately, parts. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think ultimately I enjoyed the film a lot more than you did, but um, but I mean, I think, but I mean, I don't know. It's but in, in these sort of situations, that's such a nominal <laughs> difference. That's you right. Know? That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, it's like six and a half a one. You know, because <laughs> we just went through it in detail and basically agreed on everything. Which yeah, is exactly. that we all we and, like and the exact we, and same we've part. done this several times before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I, I, at the end of the day, you should watch it and you decide for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so we're shitty critics because what have we done? See it or don't, we don't care. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but we're—I mean, we don't claim to be anything special. We we're, we watch these movies because we enjoy them, and we we tell other people about them. So what? You I know? I have watch... claimed to be special in the past. Actually, all right. Well, you know, I have never claimed to be special. Uh, at least not when it comes to my film criticism. I I think uh, I think I'm pretty middle of the road. <laughs> Now, now get me get me behind a computer and editing. I'm I'm a diff- that's a different story. I'm I'm very good at that. But um, yeah, <laughs> I'm in I'm in this as a fan. <laughs> I what are we gonna watch next? Good question, Mo. Uh, I had a couple of thoughts, but I want to hear what you what you. What oh you... shit! Are we gonna have a conversation about this? <laughs> well, I can always cut it out. <laughs> Thank you.
I guess we've decided that we're going to watch Pantheon Black as our next film. Awesome. Fabian Rushes. I'm super excited about that. Uh, I, you know, as you remember, Mo, you, this is that, that when we covered So More To Be, we actually, it was kind of the opposite of this episode. In that, Yeah, exactly. And it's really funny that, that, that we should have that sort of reaction to this movie, um, you know, because I, I was thinking about uh, Pantheon Black, like, as the next film... From the beginning, like, because as soon as we mentioned that we didn't know what the movie we were going to watch was, I, I went into our list and I, and I started looking. I said, oh, we'll do Pantheon Black. And um, and uh, and it's really funny that the last movie that Fabian Rush did, we had the exact same outcome, just reversed. <laughs> right. You That's know? true. Like, like you, liked, you liked So More To Be more than I did, but it's still the same sort of thing where it's like six to one, a half dozen, a half dozen to the other, you know? Well, I'm certainly interested. Now, uh, Pantheon Black came out in 2010. It came out uh, significantly after So More to Be. Uh, yeah. So we're really going to see. And, and So More to Be was almost like a like they were going to college at the time. This is actually a film that is made to be, you know, made to be shown, made to be distributed. Sure. So so it's going to be very interesting to see what it's all about. Yeah. Excellent. Mo, have you seen any decent films lately? I got to tell you, man, my movie. Uh, output has been pretty slim. Um, oh, you know what? I, there, I, I do have I do have one film that I watched recently that I that I really enjoyed. Uh, it, that film, uh, a good old fashioned orgy. Oh right, I, I've seen. I, I've uh, doesn't that have some like SNL people in it? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, uh, Kroll and um, uh, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, and Leslie Bibb, I think, is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was a lot better than than I was expecting it to be. That's terrific. because I, well, I, 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 I follow that up because uh, because right before that I was torturing myself and I watched National Lampoon's Pledge This, <laughs> which is the biggest pile, one of the biggest piles of shit I've ever seen. Like like I will watch three Deathman before I watch Pledge This again. Like I I would so rather watch you know, like this shot on video stuff. Um, that movie was repugnant and how bad it was. It's amazing how that brand has become so watered down. I mean, you think back even into the mid eighties where national lampoon, I mean, it was like how the onion is today. Despite the fact that recent (laughs) issues with that, but I mean, you know, that has a reputation as sort of the best sort of parody and satire and comedy, uh, all together. And I mean, I can't remember the last time I watched a national lampoons movie, but they all look terrible. They're, they are. They are terrible. Every single one of them. You know, it's it's crazy. I mean, that this is the same company that did Animal House. It's the same... It's a company, but the same group that did sure. Animal House. The same group that did Vacation. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's like... It's such, it's such a shame. Someone's got to... Someone needs to come and, and rescue that brand, I think. I, I agree. I agree. And uh, the one other movie I'll mention... Um, that that I watched. It's not really a movie so much as like a stand up special. But uh, two of the guy, two of the uh, of the broken lizard guys. Oh yeah, it just got added to Netflix. I did. see Yeah, this. Uh, the fat man and fat man little boy. Right. Um. Really funny. I oh, mean, really? way way funnier than I was expecting it to be. And uh, and and a lot of funny little insights into the into some of the filmings, you know, like the like the film that uh, behind the scenes stuff of the films they've done. And uh, Steve Lemmy tells a ridiculously funny story uh, at the end of it, so it's t- totally totally worth watching. Oh, excellent! You know, it's it's funny. I was I'm a huge fan of Super Troopers. I know that yeah. it's kind of uh, lost its luster since it came out because some of their follow up films have not been as great. Though I, I thought that. Uh, 
Um, I mean, I think some of them are are great. I but. I was gonna say I I like all of their films so far. Uh, I mean, the only one that I really don't like so much is Club Dread. I like Club Dread. I didn't like Slime and Salmon that much. Really? Yeah, I didn't. Huh. Uh, but, but but I mean, you know, but I liked I liked I loved Beer Fest. Yeah, and I mean, maybe I know that some people listening they probably don't care for the Broken Lizard films at all. That's totally cool. That sure. said, uh, when I saw that listed on Netflix, I thought of that it was going to be like straight stand up, but it's more like what is it like like telling stories or like a well the way or? yeah the way it works is is that they both come out for a little while um, and then they uh, and then they do a, a little chug contest to to determine <laughs> who's gonna go first. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kevin Heffernan goes on and then and then Steve Lemmy comes out again. They do some more stuff together um and then uh kevin heffernan goes away and it's just steve lemmy okay uh, you know and then he comes out again and they both give like a proper goodbye and and you know and then they they show a little like behind the scenes stuff of i guess i guess um like in between like tapings uh or you know in between they would do like chug contests with the audience okay <laughs> and uh and and they do make some uh you know they do make some announcements in it too which was uh, a little surprising that they would that they would use that forum for an announcement, um, but I have to say that I did enjoy. Uh, I mean, Kevin Heffernan stuff is really funny, but the behind the scenes stories uh, are probably my favorite part. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll, I will definitely check it out. I recently rewatched for the first time in many years uh, the John Landis film Spies Like Us. Nice, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. When I saw when I was a kid. Uh, I used to I've saw that movie probably a dozen different times. Uh, and in fact, all those other movies that have that that are like surrounding that SNL SCTV group, mm-hmm. uh things like Stripes and Caddyshack uh and Animal House, I never saw any of those films when I was a kid. I mean, I saw Ghostbusters, but those kind of late 70s really early 80s ones I didn't see. Mm-hmm. But Spies Like Us, I saw over and over again. I remember they used to show it uh, on the ABC Sunday Night Movie a lot. Sure. Uh, and, and uh, I mean, I, obviously it was a cut version, but I, I would have seen it a hundred times. But this was the first time I saw it in many years. And I do have to say, even with the baggage <laughs> of knowing that A, Dan Aykroyd is sort of a nut, uh, B, knowing that Chevy Chase is an asshole, which I wouldn't yeah. have known when I was a kid, and even... <laughs> your feelings on the fact that that film isn't particularly well loved or respected either. I had a really great time with it. I loved most John Landis films, even the bad ones. Really, I'm I got to just... tell you, man, I like I like Spies Spies Like Us. I, I I've, it's one of the few Chevy Chase performances that I actually genuinely enjoy. I've I've actually never been a Chevy Chase fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, like like I, I tolerate him in Caddyshack Caddyshack because the rest of the movie is so damn funny. Um, and, and again, I, it's the same sort of thing. Like I tolerate him in the vacation movies because I like everything else about them. Um, but, but I think spies like us is actually one of the few, few performances he gives where I actually like him in the role. The biggest thing about spies like us is that the first half is way better than the second half. It yeah. kind of just, once it starts to have to, to kind of rely on its plot, then it gets, a, it slows down and it's not as interesting anymore. But it's, yeah. it's funny that that was really the only, to my knowledge, outside of nothing but trouble. <laughs> Drunk, v- Drunk on VHS's favorite film. Um, <laughs> Dick that Was there ever, I'm sure I'm, maybe I'm missing something really obvious, like direct pairings of Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase? Because that, you know, their interplay is what makes the film, and they're both mm. playing, like, their, their, you know, to specification, the roles that they're kind of best known for. Dan Aykroyd being kind of like the fast-talking, uh, know-it-all, brainiac-type guy, while Chevy Chase is the smarmy asshole and you know that's just the characters they play, but it really works in that context. And of course, there's all these cameos too, because that's what John Landis likes to do. Yeah, 
It's all right. So. I, I like that so. spies like us. I also watched Gone with the Wind. Why? Because I watched it for the Above the Line podcast. Uh, oh, Jesus. Yeah, no, we had a, a very interesting t- discussion on that, but uh, you'll have to go over to uh, facebook.com slash the Above the Line podcast to check that out. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Mo. Yes. For those who have listened to this episode and <laughs> enjoyed it, uh, who maybe want to... I doubt anybody did that. <laughs> <laughs> who might want to follow up and... Uh, and see what else we have to say about the films that we're watching, keep up on future films that we're going to be covering, and just kind of be part of the whole community, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, Doug, yes. uh, should <laughs> should they want, they can email us, mm. and that would be at uh, no budget nightmares DG, as in Daily Grindhouse, one more time, no budget nightmares DG at gmail.com. That's or, it. That's how they email us. That's how they can email us. Or... If you're more into the social media sort of thing, you can feel free to contact us on Facebook, and that would be uh, facebook.com slash nightmares, or the page that I think we kind of tend to focus more on lately uh, would be facebook.com slash groups slash nightmares. That's more of an open community for people to discuss other yeah. no-budget films, to promote their own no-budget films, and just yeah. talk about the process a little bit. It's a lot of fun over there. Yeah, it's a great conversation. It's it's constantly evolving. Um, you know, I mean, we 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 uh, we don't discriminate. So come ask to join. We'll let you in, and you know, unless you're you crazy, unless you're crazy, and then we'll definitely let you in, and then post crazy shit. Yeah, or if we might get tired of you if all you do is promote your own stuff and never actually engage in any way. Yeah, Doug. It's what I do. <laughs> I'm I'm this close to taking him out. <laughs> but, you know, there's other social networks out there too, Mo. Yeah, there is. Now, Mo recently <laughs> has kind of dropped off the face of the Twitterverse. <laughs> I, I, you know, I pop in every now and again. I just, I'm just not, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I just, it's just not the same for me. Like, I just don't, I, I feel like I'm, I'm at that point now where I have too many followers to, to, to actually you know keep track of right but but not an you know but and not enough people like contacting me for me to care to go on there you know sure. it's like it's I, I don't mean to be mean or anything it's just it's just it's just and, and like the process for like sharing videos and pictures and everything on Facebook is so much better that I just find myself on there like whenever i have an idea i just post it onto my facebook what i really should be doing is every time i have an idea posting it onto my drunk on vhs page on facebook because then it'll post to both but i just don't think to do that (laughs) well i i think that if the listeners want to get mo back on twitter on a regular basis they should all engage him in some way everyone send messages to mo and talk about how much they love him and love his voice and sometimes touch themselves when they're listening to the show. You can also mention me if you'd like to. Stop because... encouraging Jamie. <laughs> I don't think she requires encouragement. Nah, uh, I know. <laughs> I am uh, I can be found on Twitter at, at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And uh, Mo, uh, despite his best efforts, can also be found at Drunk on VHS. All that is word. correct. So find us on there. Talk to us. Request films to be covered on future episodes of No Budget Nightmares. If you're an indie filmmaker, contact me, and maybe we can get you over on DailyGrindhouse.com, which is about to go through a nice revision in the near future. Just and contact us. And if you're an indie writer and you want to get your film made, contact me, and maybe maybe I'll film it. I'm an short. indie writer. 
All right, well, send me something. It's about a killer toilet. <laughs> it's called Toilo. <laughs> the toilet that eats people. <laughs> I, I, I would watch that, actually. Um, I actually would, too. So everyone listening, please stay tuned to the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast to hear us talk about Fabian Rush's Pantheon Black. All right. I think we're done here. Good night, everybody. Oh, we're just going to end. All right. Goodbye. Ending it. <laughs>